Heavenly Father, I pray that by Your Holy Spirit You would help us to be uh, like Mary and ponder these things in our hearts, treasure them, and like the shepherds to rejoice and glorify You for what You have done for us in Jesus Christ. In His name I pray, Amen. You can be seated. Do not, do not say Jesus is the reason for the season. That's at least what one Anglican pastor wrote in advice to other pastors. He said, this year don't say, Jesus is the reason for the season. At least in one sense. Because the reason Christ came is what the Apostle Paul is writing about in our section from Titus. There's a word that shows up several times in that reading, and that is the word Savior. He says, when the love and kindness of God our Savior toward men appeared. He says, verse 5, He saved us. He says, verse 6, Jesus Christ our Savior. The reason for the season is that we need a Savior. This is the reason Christ came. And yes, without Christ there would be no Christmas. We understand that. But the reason for the virgin birth, the reason for the angelic proclamation to the shepherds, the reason for the manger, it all was because we needed a Savior. Let's remember that this Christmas day. We need a Savior. And Paul tells us that this salvation that God has brought us is a pure gift. It's not based on anything that we have done. Verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. In most religions, they say that you can be saved through uh, your own good works, or maybe a mix of your good works and God's mercy. So in Islam, that's kind of how it works, as far as I understand. It's a yes, they believe in the mercy of Allah, but there's a mix between His mercy and what you have to do. Um, your repentance in Islam must be perfect, and according to one of their own websites I read this week, this was on an Islamic website explaining Islam. The author said, Believers live in hope of Allah's forgiveness without the hope of its certainty. They hope that God will be merciful in the end, but they're not certain. Why? Because it's a mix of what they've done and the mercy of God. They don't have the hope of certainty. In Eastern religions, the law of karma is in effect. And so you want to give a good, uh, live a good life as much as you can according to the path prescribed by the various Eastern religions so that you can get good karma. So that in the next life you're reincarnated and you can ascend until finally you get off the wheel of suffering altogether and attain nirvana. There's good karma, there's bad karma. You get what you deserve. 
in Eastern religion. Even in secular versions of salvation, people who don't believe in God, they have their own version of salvation, their own version of transcendence, their own version of what is ultimately meaningful. And a lot of it has to do with self-salvation. If I can just optimize myself, I have a duty to others and myself to become the best version of myself that I can be. And that's how I achieve some sort of transcendence, some sort of immortality. Maybe I will be remembered after I die. But it's up to you. If you don't self-optimize, you're a failure. In the secular version of salvation, it's all up to you. But the good news of Christmas is that God, in His mercy, makes a way for us to be saved. God sent us a Savior. And, and the reason is not something that has to do with us or something in us, but the motivating factor, the, the reason is what's in Him, what's in God. And you see that at verse 4. Paul describes some attributes of God. He's kind. When the kindness of God, God is kind. I hope that you realize that today in a world that's often harsh. God is kind. Isn't that a beautiful word? And He's loving. The loving kindness of God. And He's merciful. In fact, that word that's Translated in some versions, kindness or loving kindness actually is the word. We get philanthropy from this word. God is the ultimate philanthropist, which means love of human beings, love of people. He's loving kindness. He's merciful. And that's why he gives us salvation. That's why he gives us Christ. That's why Christmas Wonderful words to describe God. But how do we know? How do we know exactly that this is what God is like? Because Paul says, it appeared, you see, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared toward man, it appeared in Christ. The Word of God, the expression of God became flesh. It appeared in time and space in a baby and in a man, in Christ, our Savior. Not abstract, but appeared. We can know who God is by looking to Christ. And so what we celebrate on Christmas Day is the fundamental mystery of the Christian faith. And that is the incarnation, the enfleshment of the word of God, of the love of God, of the mercy of God, of the kindness of God. It appeared. The fundamental mystery of our faith. And J.I. Packer the great Anglican theologian, in one of his books, he says, if you can accept the incarnation of Jesus, then everything else falls into place. People have a hard time with the virgin birth. Some people have a hard time with the miracles of Christ. But the fundamental miracle, if you can accept this, God became flesh. This was God, the Son, the eternal Son of God, incarnate. If you can accept that, everything falls into place. In fact, I'll read you a little bit 
How about a dose of theology on Christmas morning? Isn't that what you came here for? You woke up saying, I just need some good theology to make this Christmas sparkle. <coughs> well, here you have it. This is J.I. Packer. It is here in the thing that happened at the first Christmas that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of Christian revelation lie. God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wiggle and make noises. The Almighty needed to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The second person of the Trinity. This was no illusion or deception. He says the babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. And the more you think about it, the more staggering it is. He says it's, it's something more strange than fiction. But it's the fundamental mystery of our faith. The incarnation, he says, it's unfathomable. It's been revealed, but it's something that our human mind cannot completely fathom. But it makes sense of everything else that the New Testament contains. Except this miracle, everything falls into place. The Word was made flesh. It appeared to save us. To save us. And then Paul tells us how God saves us through Christ. What this salvation looks like. Look at that at verse 5, if you will. <coughs> Not according to His mercy He saved us, but according to His mercy He saved us. And there's two parts to this. There's an interior part of salvation that Christ gives us and an exterior part of it. There's something God does in us, and there's something God says about us. And the interior part is described here. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then the exterior part is described when he says later on in verse 6 that we've been justified by His grace. Justified is God's declaration that if you belong to Jesus, you're right with Him. So there's an interior work of salvation that God does in us through Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit because of Christ. It's a, it's a renewal and a washing. And in baptism, this is symbolized. If we're baptized Christians, we've been given this, this sign of washing and renewal. But the reality of the washing and the renewal is something that we have to receive by faith in Jesus Christ. You can have the sign of baptism. Unfortunately, you can have the sign, but not the reality, if you do not receive by faith what Christ has offered you. And part of that reality is an interior work of salvation. God renewing us from the inside. God cleansing us. God changing us. And I'll talk more about that just in a minute as we close in just a minute. But that's the true spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit. We talk about the spirit of Christmas and we talk about wonderful things during this time of year. The sense of family togetherness, the nostalgia, the singing together. There, there's, 
the movie Elf at the end of the movie, right? They need the city, is it New York City, needs to have the Christmas spirit to lift Santa Claus's sleigh off the ground. The clausometer is running low. And so they have to sing what? Santa Claus is coming to town. And that raises the Christmas spirit and it gets his sled off the ground. That's the Christmas spirit, according to the movie. Something like that. But the real spirit of Christmas is the spirit of Christ in us, in you, in me. It's something that we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. And He begins to change us. So that's the interior work that God does. That's the interior work of salvation. He makes us more like Christ. He makes us more righteous. And then the exterior work is, as we put our faith in Christ, He justifies us by His grace. He declares that we are right in His eyes. The Apostle Paul says that we need this salvation. We all need it. Because there's a way of life before and after this salvation. And he reminds the people that he's writing to here. It's not printed in your bulletin. But he reminds them of what their way of life was before they experienced this gift of salvation. This gift of Christmas. He says this, and see if this sounds familiar. Would this describe our world today in many ways? He says, for we ourselves, before this salvation, we also were once foolish, disobedient, and deceived. We, we were disobedient. We, we had no desire to want to obey God. We might have believed that God existed, but our heart was not really to desire to obey Him. We wanted to obey our desire. This was before the salvation was received. He says that's a characteristic of that kind of a life. And we were once all there, he said. He says we were serving various lusts and pleasures. We were serving these. We, we thought that life was about fulfilling our pleasures and our desires. And then as we did, as we followed that road of, of, of following our desires and our pleasures, we found that they were actually enslaving us. We were serving them after a while. We weren't in control. That's a characteristic of life outside of this salvation. Disobedient. I, I'm not really wanting to obey God. Enslaved to passions and desires that I thought would fulfill my life, but now they are got a grip on me. He says that's, that's the characteristic of life outside of this salvation. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating other people. A life characterized by wanting more. I don't have enough, I want what that person has. Envy, hate, hatred and hating other people. Being hated on and hating other people. He says that characterizes life outside of this salvation. But then the grace of God appeared in Christ. And He began to change us. An interior work and an exterior declaration that we're made right with Him. And our life has been changed. And now we have the hope of eternal life, He says, at verse 6. The hope of eternal life. No matter what great gifts you received maybe today, I hope you received some wonderful gifts. But those gifts, as wonderful as they are, we know they're not eternal. 
not going to last forever. They'll wear down. But there's a gift that won't fade. That is the gift of this salvation that comes to us in Jesus Christ. And so I want us just to reflect on this gift of Christmas that God has gave you this salvation. Are you thankful for it this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you experienced this salvation? This interior work of new desires? If not, you can receive that even today as you receive Christ and confess Him. This is for us. This is personal. This is for all of us. For unto you, the angel said to the shepherd, unto you is born this day in the city of David. A Savior. The child was born unto us. Isaiah prophesies. It's personal. Make it personal today. When we were celebrating Christmas this morning at our house, we enjoyed some wonderful gifts. And um, these gifts that were bought with, with thought and some more thought than others. <laughs> Um, but then little Naomi, she made us all individual cards, personal cards, in pictures, and she wrote something personal to each of us, something that she was grateful for, something that she remembered throughout the year. Now, I got some wonderful gifts today, nice shirts, and what else did I get? <laughs> we gave a lot to the kids and forget what I got mostly clothes grateful for those things but what am I going to remember what are we going to remember the personal gift that came from the heart and this is God's gift to you it's personal for unto you is born a Savior the salvation that can change you from the inside out the salvation that you can know, I'm justified. Not based on what I've done, but based on His love that appeared on Christmas Day. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would remember that the reason for the season is we need a Savior. And if anyone here has not received this salvation that you offer, I pray that they would turn to you in faith and repentance as we come to the table today to take Holy Communion, to remember what you've done for us. We can come with faith and thank God for what he gives us in Jesus. I pray that we would renew our faith. Some of us, our faith may be strong. Some of us, our faith may be wavering. Some of us may bring mustard seed type faith today. That's sufficient. But by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would increase our faith and increase our joy in the gift of Christmas. In Christ's name, amen.